Okay, you know the drill. Open to Matthew 5. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to be speaking at 9 and 10 camp. I'm going to be the dean at 7 and 8 camp. And that requires a special kind of prayer. Because when the kids are in trouble, they're crying before you say a word. <laughs> and you still have to tell them they did wrong and don't do it again, but you're trying not to stomp them. And it's really hard uh, if your character is... I like, to, I like to call it, you, you called it, uh, what was your title for it? Oh, Dean. I like Camp Cop. That's, yeah. <laughs> cop, ju judge, and ju jury. So. <laughs> okay, so you buy a house that is billed as a fixer-upper for a good price. Not hard to imagine that, right? Uh, but you buy it sight unseen. You had somebody who went and looked at it for you. They looked at it. They said, the structure is sound, but it will take a lot of work. Okay, so that's, that's the way it's been described to you. The price is right. You say, I can do a lot of work. You buy the house. You go there, and you didn't realize that when they said it needs some work, how much work that was. Uh, not only does it need a lot of, of work in the form of repairs, but the thing is just full of trash and junk. You know, big garbage, little garbage, heavy things, small things. It, it, it's just a, a mess. It needs to be cleaned out before you ever start with anything. And you just feel this overwhelming sense of discouragement. I, you don't want to start. You know that feeling? You don't even want to start because the job is so big and oppressive and you just don't want to go there. But what choice do you have? Right? You can't say somebody lied to you because they said it needs work. <laughs> they called it a fixer-upper. You bought it. Uh, and, and so you start. Doing it, you start with you, you, your dump trips when you start are you know you're taking some old washing broken washing machine and you know the big items and then you start taking dump trips with the small items then you still are making dump trips but they're a different kind of dump trip because they're construction items you know sheetrock remnants or or you know, uh, plaster and lath that you tore out or, or whatever it is and then you're not making dump trips at all. Right? And before long, that house that was such a mess is, is a, a showpiece. Right? You, you, you're excited for people to come. And if you're like me, people come in and they say, oh, I like the place. And you say, yeah, but look at that flaw. <laughs> you know? And you, you can point out a lot of flaws. You think, I, I like to say I can point out all the flaws, but I'm sure there are flaws that I'm not aware of. <laughs> but, but the point is that it's done. And, and it's no longer a fixer-upper. It's a fixer-upped. And, uh, and it's fantastic. Okay? Your heart is that place. Some, some of us, some of us, we're looking at today's beatitude is blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And, and I don't know about you, I hear that phrase, pure in heart. Wasn't that like Dudley Do-Right's girlfriend's name? Wasn't it something like that? Yeah. Polly Pureheart. No, okay, Polly Pure. That, yeah, it's like it's like a cartoon character, an impossible cartoon character, right? It's 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 not a real person. This pure in heart is just it, it is beyond me. My heart is too far from that for that to ever be a reality, and it seems to rule me out from the beginning. But you need to understand something. When Jesus said, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God," he wasn't mocking. 
He wasn't saying, blessed in the heart, for they, will see, they shall see God, but that ain't you, right? He could have said that if, if that's what it was, but it wasn't. He was saying this as, as something that people can strive for and, believe it or not, attain. And, and so we're going to be talking about this today. Uh, we can and should strive to be pure in heart. And it may take a lot of work, but it can be done. Okay, so today we're going to try to understand what it means to be pure in heart, uh, how to become pure of heart, and consider the reward of seeing God. They shall see God. So, so let's start with understanding pure of heart, because uh, we want to know what Jesus is asking of us. If he's asking us to be pure of heart, and we just say, well, I can't be done, and we write it off, it's like, well, let's wait a minute. Let's find out what it is he's asking us to be when he says pure in heart, because the reward is they shall see God. And that sounds kind of awesome. Uh, it's, it's a reward worth having. And, and if it's unattainable, then it's, it's just like he's rubbing it in, saying, blessed are the pure at heart, <laughs> sucker. Uh, okay, so let's explore the word. And the first thing I want to say is the word is not the same as holy. Now, I say that because I expected to find a form of holy there. Because what, if you ask me to define holy, one of the words that comes out early as I'm de de defining what holy is, is pure. Holy, pure, uncontaminated, dedicated, that kind of thing. That's, that's what holy means. To be, to be holy is to be those things. Uh, according to the Webster's Dictionary, the definition, part of the definition is spiritually perfect or pure, untainted by evil or sin. So when I read, blessed are the pure of heart, I thought, when I look at the, the Greek, I'm going to find a word for holy there. I was curious, is it? But it's not. It is an entirely different word. In fact, the word may, is going to sound a little bit familiar to, to, to many. Catharoi, we get the word from it, cathartic. C cathartic. Something is cathartic. It may, we, we do it and we feel better. Confession is cathartic. It, we, are, we feel clean once we have done it. A, a, a sweat lodge is cathartic. You sweat out all those poisons and you come out feeling clean. Uh, that We get that word from it. And, and it's similar. In fact, in my big fat Greek dictionary that I go to, so you thought I was going to say big fat Greek wedding, didn't you? <laughs> my big fat Greek dictionary that I go to, uh, at the end of it has synonyms. And among the synonyms was hagioi or hagios, the word for pure. And it's a synonym, but it's not the same. They're similar, but they're different. So I want to talk about hagios, the word for holy for a second. Uh, by the way, I, I need to let you know something. Your, your, your protection in this church is, is your open Bible, right? Uh, you can't say, well, the people in the denomination over Steve are making sure he's right because there ain't none and they ain't doing it. Uh, they're not even making sure my grammar is good, right? <laughs> so uh, so that, that's not happening. The protection of this church is you with your Bibles open. Now, we, but, but when I go to Greek, I could lie my pants off. <laughs> and you would never know <laughs> unless we, we have a guy in our church now. He's, he's not here today, uh, but we have a guy in our church now who comes in, and he sits down, and he has here his Greek New Testament and here his Hebrew Old Testament. <laughs> and so if I lie... Yeah, he will know, and, and I don't think he's going to sit back and say, oh, that's fine, I don't care. <laughs> I think he's going to call me on it. So you have an extra layer of protection, but just so you know, I, I try not to lie in Greek. So <laughs> you're, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, but, so as we look at the two words, the, the word for holy and the word used here, the, the hagios and the cathar, katharoi, by the way, he, he really has a lot of fun when I mispronounce Greek words, which happens a lot. Um, 
They're similar, but the definition is, is a little bit different. And, and so he talks about the word for holy. He says it has more to do with your position or standing than it does with your behavior. For instance, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. By definition, because you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. The, 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 and the literal translation of that is you are a holy one. That's the word the Bible uses when it says to the saints in Rome. It says to the holy ones in Rome. And he's not talking just to those few who are especially holy. He's talking to all the believers. By believing in Christ, you become a saint or a holy one. And it, you are in that position whether or not your behavior is saintly. Right? It should be. When he says, be ye holy as I am holy, he's using that word, not, not our word here for pure, but pure of heart, but, but that word for holy. And he's saying, be holy like I'm holy, because uh, it's, it's, it is a position, but it is also related to behavior. Uh, regardless of your behavior, though, you are holy because God has made you holy. And you go, well, how do you defend that be holy because I'm holy then? It's easy. Uh, it's like this. You're a man. Act like a man, right? You go, whoa, come on, buddy. I'll act like a man, <laughs> right? Some of you guys, I said that, and you're going, wait a minute, who are you to tell me that? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm old, I'm old, <laughs> and I have glasses on, see? <laughs> uh, but, but you know the phrase. You are a man, you know, by, by the fact that you are born male and you are an adult, you are a man. That makes you a man by definition. I don't care what the world says or how you feel at the moment, right? Throw all that out because, because you are a man, you are a man. But that doesn't mean you're acting like a man. And if somebody comes up to you and says, stop or start acting like a man, that's a message. Isn't that the powerful message? It's like, I mean, the message might get you into a fight with that guy because that is, it is that powerful. But it's also something you're going to respond to, right? Someone says, act like a man, you're going to say, you're going to rise to that, right? Because that's just what we do. It's like you don't call our manhood into question. You don't you get, you know, get away from me with that stuff. Uh, and, and that's what we do. Well, be holy as I'm holy. You are holy, now act holy. That's what he's saying uh, when, when he does that. Uh, you, you, you are a man, act like a man. You are holy, act holy. And, and so we have that word for holy, but it still has to do more with our position or standing. Now, this word we have here, be the pure in heart is, is, is more, not about an official standing, but actuality. Not act, not, not, he's not saying you are holy because you trust in God or you're pure because you trust in God. He's saying be pure. Act that way. Be like that. Okay. And, and as I looked at this word, uh, uh, there are four parts of the definition for this word pure. Okay. And so we're going to look at three of them. And I'm going to save the fourth. <laughs> Okay, come up with it later. Okay, so the first three are clean of pollution or guilt. And that was really interesting because it, it is a word that works both physically and spiritually. Clean of pollution, physical, guilt, spiritual. Same word applies in both situations. And that's really good to know because we do use words that way. And I like it when the words we use for spiritual application are real words from the real world. And this is a real word from the real world, clean of pollution or guilt. Okay, the second part is, is pretty obvious, sincere, upright, void of evil. And the third one may be the hardest, but it's also the simplest, not dirty. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the first, clean of pollution and guilt. Blessed are those whose hearts are not polluted and guilty. Okay, so if we were to look in your heart, if, if we had a little heartometer up here and we all had to pass by and have our hearts put on display, 
I'm not talking about you know, your mu pumping muscle in there. I'm talking about, about your heart. Who, who wants to volunteer? I'm looking for the first volunteer. Look at my heart. <laughs> why? Well, I should say, why not? And the, answer is, the answer doesn't need to be stated because I don't want you looking at my heart. You know, I once had a lady help me with my checkbook. When I first got introduced to, to on, not online banking, but on computer banking, and in order to do that, she had to look at my checkbook. And she had to go through it for like the last two or three months to enter data to get it up to date. And I felt so exposed. And it's not like I was paying for porn. <laughs> you know, I, did, I, wasn't, I, didn't have, I didn't have anything in there that I had a reason to be embarrassed of, but I still, I felt exposed. I didn't like her seeing my finances. It's like, it's like, that's personal. I don't want you doing that. Well, you know, I don't want you seeing my heart. I, it's like, I don't want this exposed to you. Uh, and, and if we were to, to, to look at our hearts in this, this heartometer, would you be able to look, as I'm looking at your heartometer, or, or I'll say, if, if, as you're looking at my heartometer, do you think we could look each other in the eye? I mean, that, could you make eye contact with someone who is looking at your heart and seeing what's there? He goes, wow, and you know, the scary thought about that is God does. Go, Whoa, God, please stop. On the one hand, there are things that you love and treasure that probably aren't supposed to be loved and treasured. You know, things that you value that probably aren't supposed to be valued. And on the other hand, there's all the garbage and junk that's in there that should be cleaned out. And both those things are in our hearts. Uh, and we're talking about this pure of heart thing, and, and, and uh, we need to do something about it. And, and, and this first part, this first part of the definition of pure in heart seems to just rule us out right off the bat. Uh, and, and we're going to come back to this again. Uh, then the second part is sincere, upright, void of evil. And this is the easy part of the identification uh, because pure. It's what you'd expect from someone that's pure of heart, to be good, upright, and void of evil. This is the person who honestly wants to do good and mostly reaches his goal. He's pure of heart. He's sincere. He's upright. He's, he's void of evil. He's pure of heart. At least it's easy to understand uh, what, what is going on there. But then we get to the not dirty, and it's easy to understand. But, man, that one is another one that just smacks you in the face, doesn't it? Uh, dirty. We don't want to admit we have a dirty mind. Who wants to admit they have a dirty heart? Because I think it's kind of the same thing. Uh, it sounds a lot like the pollution or guilt, but you know what? When I think of it, uh, I think it strikes more to the essence. I picture, when I pictured that picture of the house, and, and, and I, I, I got a visible picture in my mind. I, I, I walk, I, I, of a house I walked in, and you know it's got it's got like problems with the paint and the and the it's not sheetrock it's plaster and lath it's got holes in the wall and you know, all sorts of problems you know, lights hanging I've got all, but then it's also got big junk in there uh, that, that's what I saw well well when I think of the pollution I think of the big junk when I think of the dirt I think of the the ground in pervasive dirt and maybe maybe that's just a, a me thing but uh, uh, something I, I see that uh, the pollution is something dirty that affects you but the dirt is much more closely attached and, and and if you have that in your heart if your character is dirty you don't have the kind of heart that will see God blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God there's a piece of scripture it was our scripture reading today and, and I want to go back there Psalm 24 if you want to go back there and look um, Psalm 24 is, is uh, 
possibly, sometimes I, as I see things Jesus said, I, I wonder, was he reading this? Was he thinking specifically about it? He didn't exactly quote it, but he said the same thing, uh, and he used less words to do it because of the context, I think, of where he's doing it. But Psalm 24, starting at verse 3, he asks a question. Who may ascend onto the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? Who is it that can go up to the place where God is? In other words, another way to say, go up and see God. And then he answers the question, one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to deceit and has not sworn deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Jesus said, blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Here we find who can ascend to God's, God's presence, the one who has a pure heart, and he will receive a blessing from the Lord. And we find the same concept, at least, even if he wasn't working from one and another. And I think, I think in these verses he's explaining this whole idea of pure at heart because he describes it. He doesn't say merely pure at heart. He says uh, clean hands, pure heart. He's not lifted up his soul to deceit. He has not sworn deceitfully. And he, he, he's maybe giving us a definition of what, what we're looking for in a pure heart. Uh, clean hands and a pure heart. Uh, you know, clean hands, you know, keep your hands clean. People, people we, we, we will hear about someone who's, who's involved in something dirty, but he's trying to keep his hands clean. <laughs> you know, so he's, made, he's, only, he's only, you know, involved in a way that he can't get caught, where he can't get, get pegged for it. But, you know, his, his hands are clean. We want to keep your hands clean so you don't get in trouble. Uh, clean hands, not by craft or deceit, but by not doing wrong, not doing dirty. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to, to, to falsehood. And I, and I think that not lift, or to deceitfulness, uh, I think that not lifting up your soul to deceit is a reference to idols, to a false god, because that's who you lift your soul up to. Uh, and who is, someone who, is, who has got clean hands, a pure heart, who has not lifted up his, his eyes, who is not serving some other god, who has not let some other god get his hands in there, and who has not sworn deceitfully. Uh, idolatry says a person, I'm sorry, no idolatry. I want to get back to that idolatry thing. I think that's an important part of this, because uh, otherwise a person, this, this could be summed up as a good person, but not a godly person. Uh, if, if it's simply a pure heart, you could be a pure-hearted heathen, I guess, theoretically. I don't believe there is such a thing, but, but theoretically you could be a pure-hearted heathen uh, and, and be pure in heart. Uh, but, but when we add this no idolatry thing, then it's got to be focused on God uh, and, and working that way. And so it helps us to understand a little bit of this pure heart. But, but let me sum up what it means to be pure in heart. A heart that is not polluted with guilt, that is sincere, that is not dirty, and that is faithful to God. And that person will see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they, or he, how does it say it? Is it they? Uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Right? Uh, so how do you become pure of heart? Because that's the problem we have. I mean, I, I say all these things, and just simply to describe it, but to not tell you you can attain it, <laughs> is to not do you much of a favor. Right? Uh, but I'm hoping to do you a favor by helping you this. And, and so we get the fourth definition. The fourth definition is cleansed or pruned. 
This is the fourth part of the definition of that word, katharoi, uh, cleansed or pruned, meaning it didn't necessarily start out clean. It didn't necessarily start out trim and pruned, but it has become cleaned. It has become cleansed. It has become pruned. And in other words, the heart doesn't have to start this way. It can become this way. And to look at your heart and say, but my heart's a mess, does not mean you are stuck in that position. And that, I think that knowledge is important because what's the answer? You clean it up. You do the work. You know, it's not like you have an option. It's like you can say, I'm going to just go get another heart. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there is no such thing as a spiritual heart transplant. Well, I, there is, because God says, I will put in them a new heart. Uh, but but uh, you, you, you clean it up. And, and you do start by asking forgiveness, uh, because Jesus gives it. And he will take away some things. I think of my own salvation, right? I was, I was a, a, just a few days shy of 19 when I came to Christ. I was, I was <laughs> just like... From my perspective, I can't. I, I don't like to say I was an adult because I was 19. <laughs> you know, if you're 40, I call you a kid. So, <laughs> but but I was adultish. You know, I was living on my own. I, I had a job. I was going to, to community college. I was, you know, I was, and I was living a 19-year-old sinful life. Right? That was that was what I was doing. And and against my almost against my will, I accepted Christ. <laughs> And, and as I, far as I remember, it seems to me I can't prove it. And it's like I, I, I look back and I, I, he just plain took away my foul mouth. It's like, it's like one day it was there and the next day it was gone. I didn't notice especially until by, by virtue of absence. One day I realized it wasn't there. And I don't know how that happened. Okay, uh, I had a lot of pornography. And I don't remember. I just remember then I didn't. I don't remember actually getting rid of this stuff, but I remember, I, I recognized at some point I didn't have it anymore. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't do it, it didn't, wasn't magically gone, but something changed in me that, that I wasn't even recognizing was going on. He simply did those things. But there's other things he didn't just take away. And, and it, took me, it took me a while, it took me a while to deal with a drinking issue. Right? I had to take I had to fight that one. And, and, and there's always other issues going on in our lives. Uh, and he left things for us to clean up. I, you know, if you want to read this, I'm not gonna go there now, but in John chapter eleven we have the story of Lazarus. And 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 uh, the story is an awesome story. You know, Lazarus is in the tomb, he's been dead for forty days, he's he's good and dead. Jesus says, Roll away the stone. They say, My Lord, I love the King James, my Lord, he stinketh. Right? Awesome passage. Awesome. I love, I, you know, sometimes the King James just says it better. Uh, you know, nice, nice version. Lord, he'll have an odor. <laughs> I don't want to, I want to hear he stinketh. You know, that, that just is, because his, he'd been dead and rotting for four days. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. He says, roll the stone away. Now, you're the guy who, who, who heard this, he stinketh. You know he's been dead four ways. Do you want to roll that stone away? It's like, oh, man. <laughs> he, Lord, he stinketh. They roll the stone away, and Lazarus comes out in his grave clothes. And Jesus said to the people around him, take the grave clothes off him. So he came out looking mummy-like, right? And, and, and Jesus didn't take those off, right? Someone else had to help him take the drave, grave clothes off. I think that's, I think that's a picture I think, I think that, that, is, that is a true story. I'm not going to take that away, but I think it's a picture for us of what happens when we're saved. Is there some, he gives us new life, 
but he leaves us with our baggage to deal with our, ourselves, or at least some of our baggage to deal with ourselves, so that we will go through the process of unwrapping it and taking it off. He wants us... I, I, he wants us to grow. He wants to nurture us. He wants us to, to you know, we, we're not greenhouse plants, or at least we're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be the outside in the, in the wild, in the woods. The, the, some of us are the weeds, right? Uh, that's what it is. He, he usually leaves a lot for us to do. So what do you do with the big mess that is still there in your heart? Do you ignore it? Do you say, well, it's just the way I am? A lot of people say, well, that's just the way I am. That's the way he made me. You know what? That's not good enough. Uh, I bought the house, it looked like this, so I moved in with it. I just kind of kick the rats out of the way every now and then because they're annoying and, you know, that's what I do. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You live in something better than that. Why? It was like this when I moved in and I cleaned it up. Well, guess what you do with your heart? You fix it. You clean it. You make it better. It, it, is it work? Yeah, it's work. What do you do with those big things? You haul them away. Yeah, you get rid of them. You deal with them. You, and by the way, start with the big things. Don't start by, with the dustpan, you know, cleaning up something in the corner. Start with the big items in the middle that are obvious to you and to everyone else. Clean those puppies up. And all of a sudden, the job just looks easier, right? And, and get in and do the other things. And, 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 and then you move on to, you know, the big things are the ones that intimidate you. The big things are the ones that you say they won't go easily. So what do you do? What do you do? You move in and you look and you go, wow, uh, I need help with this. Hey, can I borrow your trailer? Can I borrow your pickup? Can I borrow your back? Right? <laughs> Gotten that call? Been that guy who either called or was called? Yeah, we, we do that we, because we say this one's too much of a problem. I can't deal with this one myself. You sweat, you grunt, you use tools when you got to use tools. You bleed when you... It's, it's hard, it's, it's messy, it's dirty. You get tired, you get worn out. But when you're done, it looks nice because it is nice. You get them out because you have decided I'm going to do the work and it's worth it to do the work. And the same things you would do on a house, do in your heart. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it's okay. Do something about it and make it better. And in spite of how t intimidating the task is, it is not beyond you. And, and, and Bethany, I don't know how many versions of this I'm going to throw together, but no temptation has taken you. But such as is common to man, and he is God is faithful, he will not allow you. She's counting them. <laughs> For those of us who are in the Sunday school class, we did this in, in uh, Sunday school a few months ago. Uh, Roman, this is Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a means of escape so that you may be able to bear up under it. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? God will not give you this. This is, a, this is a popular saying. This is the verse the saying comes from. God will not give you more than you can handle. It is a promise. No temptation has or will ever take you that is too much for you. And if you have clutter in your heart, it is not too much for you. You are able to do something about it. You are able to clean it up. Your past has made a mess of your heart. You think the job is too big. It is not. Start with confession. Add determination. And the place that used to be a wreck becomes a show house. 
Part of the definition of pure in heart is a heart that has been cleansed and made pure. None of us started with that. We all came into our Christian life with baggage. Some of us, you, you were five, and it's five-year-old baggage. Some of us were, were, were 19, and it was 19-year-old baggage. Some of you, you may have 60-year-old baggage. It's still baggage that you can get rid of. It's still something you can do about it. It is a heart that has been cleansed and made pure, and it didn't start that way, but it became that way because you cleaned it up. And then let's move to the blessing. They shall see God. Okay? And, and that's like, I'm not sure that's a reward I like either, <laughs> especially after talking about the heartometer, you know. <laughs> uh, they shall see God. Let me put it another way. They shall be close enough to see God. They shall enter into his presence. Okay? Going back to Psalm 24. Who can ascend to the holy hill of the Lord? Who can go there? Him who is pure of heart, has clean hands, and, and so on and so on. The one who's like that can enter into the presence of the Lord. Sinners do not get there. Sinners do not enter into the presence of the Lord. You, you may have thought of this. It may be a revelation to you. It may be old news to you. But after Jesus rose, he only showed himself, the risen Jesus only showed himself to believers. He did not show himself to unbelievers. He showed up to the apostles. It wouldn't have been so easy had he popped in and said, Hey, Pilate, near, 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 look at my hands. <laughs> you blew it, buddy. Hey, chief priest, Caiaphas, Antipas. Gotcha. <laughs> right? It would have been so powerful, so convincing, so compelling. He didn't do that. He only, went, he only appeared to believers. He showed himself to believers only. Why, why does God do that? The pure in heart will see God. Those who are not will not. There is a blessing in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 6. We call it the high priestly blessing. And, and uh, it's kind of funny because I was looking at this blessing, thinking about next week's sermon, for which, on which I've been kind of dwelling for a while because I'm excited about blessed are the peacemakers. We're going to be looking at the word shalom. And, and it's such an awesome word. And uh, it ends with, the Lord make his, lift up his face to you and give you peace. And, and as I was looking at this, I thought, wow, I need to use this one this week too. The Lord bless you, the song, uh, number 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. And it doesn't say you will see God. It says his face will shine on you. That's an up-close and in-person event, is it not? Not just seeing, not just you seeing God, but him seeing you. And not just him seeing you, but him seeing you with pleasure. His face shines on you. Doesn't mean you're going to get a suntan. Maybe you will. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, his face will shine on you. Have you ever played the pretend you're not home game? I know you have. I've knocked on your door. No. <laughs> you know the pretend you're not home game. Someone, you see someone coming, you go, oh, man, I do not want to deal with them now. Be quiet. Oh, Halloween. <laughs> I should stop knocking on your door on Halloween. So <laughs> and so you pretend you're not home, and you ignore whoever it is until they go away, right? 
And they're walking away saying, man, now what am I going to do with this $100 bill? <laughs> no, that's probably not it. Uh, God doesn't play the pretend you're not home game. He just says, I won't see you. Go away. I'm home, but I'm not home to you. He says, I, the, the, sinners, the sinners will not see him. You, are, you're not, you don't have a pure heart. You're not the kind of person who can come into my presence. Uh, I, I, I won't see you. Or, or more correctly, you won't see me. Because God sees you, but you won't see me. He's doing something like that. Those who see God are those he is pleased with. To, the, to them he is home. And he opens the door and his face shines. I'm so glad you're here. Come on in. Right? The pure in heart. Those who have done these things. Right? Psalm 24, 3 and 5. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. As I say this, if by chance... Now, now some of you may be thinking, may be thinking of something in your heart and, and you're, you're feeling like I need to do something about this. And, and it's the kind of thing where... From my perspective, you need a little dustpan, maybe a rag you can do a little washing with, you know, because you, you keep your place pretty clean. Some of you may be saying, I've got some big stuff. Some of you may be saying, I don't care what you say, I can't do it. Uh, pure in heart, he doesn't mean, by the way, perfectly pure, 100% pure, because we don't, we don't make it. But we all know the difference between a nice place and a pigsty, right? Uh, we all know. We all understand that. Okay, what's your heart like? Because you can't. If it, if it is not a nice place, if it is closer to the pigsty side of things, you can do something about that. Even if this has not been you, it can become you, and you too can be pure in heart, and you shall see God. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this goal. Lord, I ask that you give us the willingness and ability to start cleaning up our hearts or to continue cleaning up our hearts or, Lord, even to finish cleaning it up, those things that we've left there ignored and, and uh, not using. Father, I ask you to bless us to help us walk with you. Lord, I praise you for the gift of seeing you. Help us to do that more and more and to realize what a blessing it is. We pray in Jesus' name.